When I'm asked what I do, I will often say something along the lines of, I provide language for the process of faith and art or faith in life. And I think that does a decent job <laughs> of describing my work, even if it's a tad nebulous. I'm a language person. The thing is language shapes and defines cultures. The difference between one culture and another culture is often a matter of the difference between the words we use for the same things or even the same experiences, which is why David Dark is one of very few second time guests on this podcast. His unique and precise use of language stretches my imagination to reconsider the words I'm using and more seriously consider many of the words that I avoid. In this, our second conversation, we cover a lot of the same ground we covered the first time around, religion, and politics, and ethics, and relationship, community, neighborhood. But we spend the lion's share of our time on not just a word, but a name, Reality Winner. That name and the life of the woman that name references has been a lightning rod for David on many levels. His continual responsibility to that name and to the woman who wears that name has brought to life conversations about what it means to be a patriot, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a citizen, words and ideas that propel whole cultures, including the cultures I care most deeply about. It was a wonderful conversation. I was happy to have it. I think you'll enjoy it. Check it out. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing less of the I'm doing less of the editing part of things nowadays just because okay. the in between things are more Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. More interesting. Yes, indeed. Um, so there's a, this is an easy one conversationally just because you and I can talk. We can. We, we should, could go on and we on. We should go on and on. Um, but I, what I want to do is I want to start where I, um, folks most, most deeply connected with our conversation last time, which is this uh, lexicon practice where mm. I'm I'll just put a word on the table mm. and you'll whatever is unpacked in you or whatever is sparked in you. Yeah. You kind of go there for a little while. I'm ready. Uh, and I have some specifics and, uh, that I want to go to and I'll, and I'll, I'll kind of venture out from there. And then from that, we'll sort of, you know, get into some, some real, for me, some real nitty gritty, uh, uh, about your work publicly. Okay. But I want to, uh, I really, I really enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed your works in general. I've enjoyed your books in general. Your last book, um, having to do with the possibility of America. Yes. Um, was a favorite. Uh, there's a very deep dive into things that you've been thinking about. Um, in there's like, diff it was this conglomerate to me. It was this conglomerate of, of, um, or aggregate. It was this collection, uh, like the, these windows you've been peering through for a while that had to do with religion, religious engagement with politics, with like, you know, sort of the apocalyptic, apocalyptic nature of life together with other people. Yeah. This was a, this was you like not peering in the wind. This was more like you in the house kind of rummaging around a bit. And, <laughs> uh, and I really liked it. I liked it. I, I, I liked how hyper detailed it was. I yes. want to ask you on the broadest level, yeah. just starting with the title, what is America? Oh, okay. Well, I've got a log answer. America is 
a crime scene and a possibility and a false covenant and a dream and a hope and a long conversation slash contest over what human beings owe each other. Hmm. I think that is what America is or can be. Um, it's an arrangement um, that can be very, very violent and unprincipled hmm. and drowning in its own shame and trauma. But America, oh, I can't believe I left this out. America is a poltergeist. It's like a constellation of grieved, warring, mourning spirits hmm. in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I give some thought to this. I think that um, Toni Morrison's Beloved and Herman Melville's Moby Dick and U2's Joshua Tree and the Hamilton musical are all lovely creative responses to the poltergeist that is America. Yeah. And um, outside it's America. That's yes, part of what is. I think it's of. Very, very good. We're living and breathing it. The American casual, as Lady Long Soldier calls it. We spent a little time on this last time. Uh, I mean, use the same word again, mm. because I th your posture, not your posture, your articulation of this, I think, has changed some. Can you talk about politics? Like, what what is... Uh, what does it mean to be political? So if mm. that's what America is, yeah. what then does it mean as an American to be political? Yes. Okay. Well, Hannah Arendt says that education begins when you love the world enough to take responsibility for it. Hmm. Um, so when I, I don't think anybody gets political. I don't think anybody is more or less political than anyone else. And um, I think where two or more are gathered... <laughs> Politics. So this is my weird little jam that I picked up from a Catholic named William Cavanaugh. Yes. Um, William Cavanaugh said um, that, uh, oh, what was his line? I believe I've, I'm practically quoting it. The line between religion and politics was not discovered. It was invented. Yes. Now, that can sound scary because it means that um, people who mistake the voice of God for the voice in their head might take over the school board or the governor's office and start legislating their own read of the Bible, their own theology, their own faith. I, d I don't want to dissolve those civil distinctions between religion and politics. Right. Um, and yet the idea that religion ever enters a conversation or the idea that politics ever suddenly enters a conversation, I think that that does violence to a deeper understanding of human culture. I like to say one human barnyard, hmm. that we're all human beings dealing with each other. And the question of what we do with our resources is a religious question. And the question of what we do with our resources is a political question. So I do think, depending on the context, who you're talking to, that religion and politics in a very specific way are, are kind of the same thing. What does it mean to be educated? To be educated is to be fully situated. Well, it's, a, it's like America. It's a possibility. Mm -hmm. I, I happen to have the credential 
of a PhD, <laughs> but I would not say that I'm educated. It is never over. Um, I wouldn't even claim expertise hmm. in something. I mean, it happens that histories and critical theories of religion is my PhD, yeah. but that doesn't mean that I have it down concerning critical theory or religion. So I guess to answer your question again, to be educated is to know yourself um, as a fellow creature in an arrangement with other fellow creatures and to try to dwell as kindly among your fellow creatures as you possibly can. I'm going to take all these and I'm going to put them in one space because this is the space, space? This is not a space. Mm. This is the, the place or the articulation, the mission, the where I watch these things collide for you. Yes. Who is a reality winner? Oh, fantastic. I love this question. Reality winner is a Christian prisoner of conscience in Texas. Yes. And um, she's been in jail. We're approaching the fourth year of her incarceration. And she, oh, it gets complicated because yes. she's former military. She was part of the drone program. Yes. And if you are part of the drone program, you are kind of like a walking state secret. Hmm. Um, this is going to get really dark really quick. But if you are a member of the military who took your own life, you are also something of a state secret. These statistics are available to us. Yes. But there is lots of psychic and literal trauma going on within military culture. So reality winner with this Kurt Vonnegut sounding name was part of the drum program. And then she was an intelligence analyst. And then she leaked material to the intercept news organization, which showed and was later used in a Senate investigation that Russia had tried to tamper with, um, polling with um, voting machines yes she was picked up within hours of leaking the material and she has essentially been gagged and hidden away um for almost four years yes i spend a lot of time thinking about her because i spend a lot of time thinking about conflict avoidance and what conflict avoidance costs us sometimes i think that power is nothing more than plausible deniability um, Donald Trump did not want to talk about her. Um, Barack Obama isn't talking about her. No. Joe Biden isn't talking about her. Dan Rather isn't talking about her. Oprah Winfrey and Bruce Springsteen aren't talking about her either. I have corresponded with her. Um, I'm in communication with her mother. Yes. And we, um, I'm part of a group of folks who are trying to lift her wild and precious life into public awareness so that she can go home and tell her story. It also happens that her Bible was taken from her. Remember this. It was eventually, um, through a money order, her mother got that Bible. Um, but for the United States government to take a Bible from someone and for Franklin Graham to not care and for Russell Moore to not care yes, and for Tim Keller to not care, it's like all these folks who make big bucks talking god country religious liberty bible they seem but to miss this one they not only did they miss <laughs> it but i've been blocked by people by 
asking them to acknowledge her existence. Yes. Um, fun thing on Twitter, I gave Beth Moore a hard time for a long time, and eventually she hashtagged free reality winner, which was lovely. <laughs> it's funny, um, but it's also, yes. I was persistent. Yes. And um, that that's the thing. I think everybody who lets themselves know about her, they know that she's fallen through the cracks yes. of America's dueling hypocrisy. And through some very specific cracks. That's right. We were talking we were talking offline just a moment ago. We were talking before the, before the machine started recording us. Uh, we were talking about storytelling and this notion that everyone's story should be told. Yes. Reality winner is a one whose yes. story should be told. Yes. There is something particular about this. The list of people that you just handed out from Barack Obama yeah. to Russell Moore yes. um, to, to Franklin Graham are all people who is it fair to say are exposed in some way mm. by her story? Why is her story of particular importance? Not the one mm-hmm. story. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I think we might align on this. I'm not necessarily saying that a story is generally or intrinsically more important overall, but there sure. are moments. Yes. Culturally. Yes. In which there is a particular story embodied in a particular life. Mm-hmm that does particular things in that time. Sort of like Eugene Peterson's notion of church that is a particular people in a particular place at a particular time. This story, her story right now, does something important. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about why it's important and why it's... uh, Two things. Why is this important? And why is it so easy to miss? Like, why is this not... If if it is this, this kind of important... Why is it this so? Why is it so easy to miss and, and dismiss? Yes. Well, I worry. Cancel culture is a couple words. Like critical race theory is three words <laughs> yes. that people are getting really worked up about. Yes. And I think it does have to do with this anxiety of um, being unheard and unseen. Even in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, sometimes when I go really deep with people who are upset with me. Right. Um, for saying black lives matter. Um, they'll bring up stories of trauma of, say, white people who have been killed and said, why isn't anyone out in the streets protesting about that? To which, if I can keep it going, yeah. I can say, well, because they probably weren't um, killed by law enforcement. You know, the the people who are called law enforcement, who we have given a great amount of public trust to in terms of the right to shove us around and detain us and lock us up and that kind of thing. Um, I'm kind of, I'm going to keep going back to the reality thing. I think that reality, um, as a, a young white woman who did all the things in terms of joining the military and community work like she checks all of the boxes yes um christian military service um thank you for your service reality winner it's she um hmm i worry a lot about people getting hidden i worry a lot about people getting overlooked i even worry about people who make a lot of money as one version of themselves and who then get discounted later because all we want to know is the dumb thing they did in 1997 (laughs) or something like that so i think i do have a weird passion obsession 
over whatever it is I feel like folks are unwilling to talk about or look at. Um, There's a bit of a looking at yourself in the mirror thing here yes. with her. Yes. That it's one thing to say, I don't understand queer culture. Yes. And so I can't care about that that's right. as deeply or as effectively or as wisely. And that's probably mm-hmm. wisdom in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I don't, if I'm, if I'm a white male, I don't understand black culture. And yeah. it's, there's maybe some wisdom in saying like, I can't care about that yes. uh, wisely, effectively, lovingly. Yes. But she lives as a person in like smack dab in the middle of all of the things like you just said, the check the boxes. And there is a, there is a, can you not see yourself in the mirror moment here for a culture that is as invested in and infected by power as we are that we would not see ourselves like you. Mm -hmm. No, no, you too can be victimized. Yeah can be run over and then be hidden That's right. by the power structure that Lock you think up, bene- away the key. that you think benefits you. Yeah. Because I do think the system was content, um, is content right now to crush her spirit. Yes. Um I believe Twitter gets a lot of grief, but I do think that without Twitter, she would have been effectively disappeared. Yes. Um, as so many whistleblowers have. So I I, I have a theory that Christ could be beautifully translated whistleblower yeah. in terms of the anointed called upon in this moment yes. to blow the whistle to say the thing. Um, and she believed on the America thing, to go back to the beginning, Please. she believed it. She believed America. Yes, she did. And America has turned its back on her. Um I worry about people getting suckered. I worry about people dying in despair and feeling used, hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I, I think she has become, um, yeah, if we can get this right, if we can look at it, if we can acknowledge, um, maybe we'll be able to get a lot of other things right as well. Yeah. Um, and she is one, so I've been an educator on paper anyway for most of my adult life she is at the age i'm now at the point that my students some of my students former students presuming they were ever my students <laughs> are are now in their 30s and i would have some that have joined the military i've had some who have come back from afghanistan iraq all that kind of thing yes. so she is one of she's kind of of that age yes. to have kind of passed through my classroom and um i have i guess i can't believe i'm gonna say it but sort of a pastoral um vocation i think i mean these days i have rather long conversations with former students who are trying to figure out if they should notify the fbi on their parents hmm. over like the January 6th stuff. Yes, because they so, knew that their parents were going or yep, involved. Or, or they know that their parents heard something from someone and were worried that something was going to happen and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So I do, I'm an Enneagram 9. I try to talk people into feeling better <laughs> about their own lives within minutes of, of meeting them. Yes. Um, so I'll hear from some guy who was like a, a linebacker at the high school where I taught, and he's 
trying to figure out if he should let his child be around his parents. Yes. Because, uh, oh, and vaccination questions, too. I mean, yes. we've, we've just had a lot over the last yes. year, but there's climate denial, there's science, vaccination denial, mask denial, and denial over whether or not Joe Biden was genuinely elected elected. so it's a so much stuff has been coming down so and reality winner is about the age of of many of my students so when i follow her story um my heart goes out and i want to advocate and i want to stand up for there is a fascinating um and i don't know that i'm right about this i know that i feel this that when it comes to a thing like we, you know, the, uh, we talk about systemic injustice or uh, anything monolithic, and it, you you'll use the you you'll talk about uh, the things that are antichrist, mm-hmm. elements that are antichrist. Um, it's one thing to look at a thing like white supremacy, mm-hmm. and no one's gonna say, "Big fan." <laughs> Like there, there are there are some. No one's gonna say it. It's true, no, right? It's true. Like with, with with some rare exception. Big fan. Big fan. White supremacy. Big fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with regards to like the the care, like caring for yeah. the effects of and the impact of white supremacy. Yeah, I can I can sadly understand how how someone might feel divorced from that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they're they live where they live and they haven't they haven't seen. There, but the, the the reality winner story, because of who she is and because culturally the way she's situated, seems to say um, the the machinery that 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 hurts um, the the antichrist machinery yeah. that hurts black people mm-hmm. regularly. Yeah, I get that maybe you can't find it within yourself because you haven't had the experience. Mm. to deeply care about this in a way that would rearrange your life. Yeah, yeah. But it will kill you too. Yes, that's right. So if you can't care about it over there, can you care about it here? And the answer has been no. Yeah, it has. It really has been no. Which is confounding. It's confounding, um, but I think I get it to the extent that everybody's juggling a lot Everybody's got hmm. their overhead. Everybody's trying to pay the bills. Yes. And we generally steer clear of stories that are going to complicate our existence. Yes. And um, so I believe that Tim Keller and Russell Moore and all these folks have seen me place hashtag free reality winner <laughs> over their generalizations their proverbs, all that kind of thing. Yes. But I think they know that if they, if they, it isn't just advocating for her. No. It is acknowledging her at all. That's where. Well, that if this, if this platitude is to be true. Yeah. Should it not be true specifically right here? Mm -hmm. And if it's not true specifically right here, then what does it mean for that to be true? Yes, and, and so they don't want to get pulled into that. I mean, like, I know the posture of folks if I'm trying to get someone to call for the governor to not electrocute somebody. Yes. Or, like, I'm, I'm going into a place of specificity that challenges the idea that, oh, yeah, we're all so polarized. And that there's what <laughs> I sometimes refer to as the beyondest 
personality, which is where I offer myself as the middle ground between two extremes. The both sides move. Yes. Ah, yes, but Nancy Pelosi. Ah, yes, but, you know, that kind of thing. But reality wetter doesn't work on the both sides. No. It, it breaks the both sides thing down. Which is why because- your initial list of um, complicit hmm. parties yeah. is so important. I think so, and I want to go easy. I don't want to fall, because I think that accusation is the Satan, and I know that Satan can't cast out Satan. Like, I don't want to be accusing people, but I am noting that there are some big names of folks who um, posit themselves as a solution to the partisan divide by doing op-eds or podcasts or whatever about how polarized everyone is and I'm the reasonable person, and they can't touch reality winner. Yes. Any more than they can touch... Um, <laughs> I, I hope this doesn't mess things up, but I know you're <laughs> game for it. Do you know who Mordecai Vanunu is? I do. Unbelievable. Of course yes. you know who Mordecai <laughs> Vanunu is. So Mordecai Vanunu is... I hesitate to even say this. He's Jewish, but he's a Messianic Jew. Yes. And he blew the whistle on Israel's nuclear program. And he is now kind of disappeared, but he takes a picture of himself every few months and puts it on Twitter. You could go down his timeline, and he's just this person that no government can afford to acknowledge in the same way that the Palestinian people in Gaza are human beings that no government can acknowledge fully as human beings without losing something yes so i'm i'm kind of rambling now but i'm always looking for the overlooked thing because i think that's part of mental health i think it's kind of it's pretty jungian i guess it was jung who said the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek yes and um reality winner or whatever it is that that we don't want to talk about it is maybe the ultimate expression of power it may it is maybe the ultimate like dark expression of power yeah. is to ignore yeah yeah to, to not name yeah that's the real contempt it's it's, it's one that's thing that's worse than hating someone yes it's one yeah. thing to name it say this is what this is and i will and i am and i am against i will yeah. contest this it's another thing entirely it's like the darkest expression of power yeah. to simply pretend that yeah. this does not exist to ignore. Yeah. So, but and to try and get a little more positive, Mike Mills of REM and Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker in Mia Farrow, um, these are people yes. who have seen the story and have and have named it. Yeah, and it's lovely for me for it to be Mark Hamill because Mark <laughs> Hamill is my. It it kind of indicates the entire Star Wars tradition. <laughs> as a righteous form of culture mm-hmm. because look Mark Hamill is among my earliest memories of looking at a male that I thought I want to be him. Yeah. Um, and he has come through yes. for reality winner. <laughs> Justin Amash, the independent, uh, member of Congress in, um, Grand Rapids, but in the United States Congress has also called for her release. And so there again, there's somebody who is neither Republican nor Democrat who I think is the only elected official to acknowledge her. Yeah. And there's lot, lots of people I like in the Senate and in Congress right now, but none of them except Justin Amash has 
has stuck their neck out it for is this a, decorated veteran Christian prisoner <laughs> of conscience. It is, it is, it is, it's confounding on just about every level insofar as one would figure, well, I, and maybe it is this, and I don't know, that like, mm. to, to acknowledge her, to, to acknowledge her as a reality, to, yes. to acknowledge her as a reality, to acknowledge her at all. Reality is real. Does, reality is real. It sort of does that. Yeah. It does, and, and, and sort of says the thing when you talk about bipartisanship, it sort of says the thing that folks will write the op-ed about but not mean, which is yeah. that there are realities uh, that are deeper, that are more fundamental, that are yeah. more beautiful, that mm -hmm. are more complex, yeah. uh, that are richer than mm -hmm. our ideologies. Yeah. That seems to be the thing that no one wants to get around <clears throat> to and that that her presence and her story yeah. exposes is that your ideology, as helpful as it might be. Yeah, in some context, it has failed this at, young woman. Regardless of where you're coming from. Yeah this has failed and you have to acknowledge the weakness of your own system in order to simply name or it. even the relativity of it you can say these are my people and my people are not um the human future because they too yes. are ignoring reality winner but, but it's weird too because the complexity the nuance i sometimes think that poetry is specificity i mean we want poetry we want specifics um, Thoreau says that we all crave reality in one way or another. Yes. And I think that's true, but we do get a little, um, testy and a little defensive when, oh, I guess it was T.S. Eliot said humankind can only bear so much reality. Yeah. I hope this isn't horribly annoying to the listener that we keep <laughs> Thoreau's reality, T.S. Eliot's reality, but I, I think we want it. I, I think we want what's true, but we don't always know how to crave tr the true, that which is real, properly. And we get defensive and anxious, but yeah, there's reality winner. The place where um, you spend most of your time talking about her or asking folks to consider her in light of the things they want to be true yeah. is Twitter. Yeah. We've talked, we talked about life online a bit. It's yep. the thing I ask, for the most part, all my guests. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about your uh, your last five six years life online. Yeah, still enjoyable, still feel effective. Has it changed? Mm. You you are. Um, I, I was telling you, I'll see Dan Hasseltine. Yeah. Um, in you know, in a couple of days. Yeah. He is left the platform yes. because for him, and he was humble about it and very kind. Yeah. He said, "This is not good for me." Yeah. Yeah, I want to concentrate on other things. Mm -hmm. That hasn't been a consideration for you. You've taken no. steps back-ish, but you've never said, "Hey, this isn't a good place." Mm -mm. Can you talk about like talk about life online? Yeah, your experience. Yeah, impact on your mental health. Mm -hmm. um, get into it a little bit. You're, you're happy on Twitter? I I am. Um, I should say, yeah, I've never really dialed it back. Um, since I started for you to say five or six years, it's like, it's actually been more than five or six years. We well, may since be, you, since you and I talked the first gotcha, time. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I am way in. It started out with my literary agent saying, Hey, there's a thing called Twitter. You, I bet you wish you had gotten daviddark.com <laughs> in time. You need to get in there and get David dark before someone else takes it. So yeah. I did. And then I familiarized myself with it and it's like, Ooh, I can, 
ask Stephen King a question. I can uh, take a quote that I just found in Shakespeare or something, yes. and I can put it out there, mm. and it is there and available to me through a search engine in a way that it isn't available to me if it's on a piece of paper and a notebook. Yes. Like it was kind of an immediate public notepad app type thing. There might have been a little worry of, ooh, what if I write down a line and then I want to put it in a book later and it's gone because someone else took it. It's like, yeah. no, if I, it's, it's kind of like copywriting a line. I mean, once you put it up there. It's published and you it published it. It is published. I have published something. Yes. Um, so I took to it like a natural thing right away. I'll quickly say that I had a bulletin board as a child, cork bulletin board, and I would cut things out of newspapers, write things down. And I loved that bulletin board, just being able to look at stuff that you were kind of procuring and putting out there. Um, Twitter is like paper, only more so. Hmm. It's like a printing press, except quicker and more more immediate than a printing press. Yes. So I've I've accepted it. It it does amplify our capacity for the demonic, but it also can amplify our capacity for neighborliness, dialogue, conversation, and I can name lots of people. Jazz Robertson's the first one to come to mind. But people that I think I've become really Tory Glass as well. People I've become friends with via Twitter. Um, I met Tori rather recently, but I haven't met Jazz in person. And um, I think I think it works. It can become obsessive. Yes. I, I lost my uh, a password or something a few months ago, and I had two days of not being able to access my Twitter. How was that? And I told my son about it, and he <laughs> laughed, and he said, you couldn't argue with anyone. <laughs> It's like, oh, you know me. Yes. Because at any given moment, I would rather kind of get into it with someone. I don't think, I mean, yes, arguing probably. Sure. But just an exchange. I, I love, I'll, I could say intellectual exchange, but just verbal exchange. Just, what do you mean by that? Oh, okay, hang on. Let me think about that for a moment. I love when people put questions to me, and I love the availability of interaction I, I will say that it's something of a writing prompt that if i'm trying to get something written indeed i do have to step away from twitter to meet the deadline but and i go to it the way i would go to a, a book and i yes. open up the book and my eyes land on a sentence and maybe it's the sentence maybe it's a paraphrase of the sentence but it, it's almost like a quiver of essentials almost like a painter's palette hmm. um and the seeming randomness of it is kind of lovely too because i'm always looking for a distraction um that can kind of pull me away from a moment of boredom long enough to want to go back so there is some obsessive compulsion for sure in so, my and insofar as that's true yeah part of that's part of what folks will and by folks, part of what critics mm. um, will point out, specifically with Twitter, but about life online in general, yes. is, that, is that it draws out these compulsions. It yes, makes, yes. It, it makes it easier to give in to some of those That's things. That's right. That's right. Um, 
the I'm blanking on the name of the documentary that was on Netflix that got passed around. Social Network or something. Uh, social Network was the Sorkin film. That's that right. But the social. I know exactly what yes. you're talking about. Yeah. Um. The the critique was that it is having an overall negative impact. Yes. Do you buy that? Um. There's the FOMO, fear of missing out. Um. There is the uh, pseudo intimacy of the screen. I do buy. The social dilemma. There yeah, is. The social dilemma. I do believe that the screen is like a siren song that pulls us away from slower thinking. Yes. That I, I have to, with a book, I, I read a lot more before I had a cell phone, before I had Twitter. And yet I am reading. <laughs> I mean, I, I link to articles and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that quick fix, that espresso shot, of adrenaline. Yes. I do have to decide I'm going to put the screen or the laptop over there and I'm going to read this book and I'm going to use a pencil. Mm-hmm. Like there's a slowness there that um, that we can lose. There's even memory, a kind of memory loss in the sense that where once we, like I've told this story before that I was at a Dave Bazan show and people were trying to figure out which album a particular song was on and someone gestured to somebody else's phone and the guy said no 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 I'm going to do this the old way and he just <laughs> stared at the ceiling <laughs> like I'm going to explore the recesses uh, of my own mind so good. I do think there's a problem with, with screens and um, the perpetual like every few seconds self-interruption of your own intuition So I talk to my students about that. Yes. I I say, you know, you have libraries full of experience. And if you don't kick back um, without a screen and just kind of sit there and let yourself feel your own thoughts. Yes. um, Your own. We all desire a deep interior life, but we sabotage our own deep interior when we're letting ourselves get pulled away. Yeah, it feels to me more so uh, the, 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 when you just said it um, that there is a problem with the screen. It's more. It seems like. Yeah. I have a problem with the screen. Yeah. Um, it is a place, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It is a place mm. where there are people. Yes. That I can make an offering. That's right. Like anything else, like uh, which makes it then like anything else, whether it's whether it's book writing or blog writing or mm. whether it's stage performance or gracious sermon craft. Yeah, yeah. If I am committed to and obsessed with my output, mm. then I'm not I'm not bringing my rich That's internal right. life yeah. to the platform. And this is where, like, the youngness, the youth, the the newness of I mean, Facebook is. I take, say this all. Like, Facebook is like seventeen, eighteen years old. Mm, it's a teenager. Okay, yeah. The youth of the thing allows a kind of disregard, a dis, like like a wholesale dismissal of the thing. Yeah, well, yeah. he's just an eighteen year old. Yeah. And in my mind, it's like, well, hold on, let's talk about let's talk about the the nuances of actually being an eighteen. You know, he's an 18-year-old who's had this and with this particular trauma and these things yeah, going on. Like, it's yeah. not just that being 18 means these things. Yeah. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram mm-hmm. cannot be, should not be wholesale dismissed. Yeah. Um, I, it, sermon Crafts as it is a great example because if there is a thing, if there is a type of output that requires rich 
internal life, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be sermon craft? Wouldn't yeah. it be that the person who is yeah. bringing something of worth to the table mm-hmm. 52 plus times a year would be doing that from a, deep, a place of yeah. uh, deep riches. But the craft itself mm. or the job itself that in which the craft is situated can steal that yes. from someone, yeah. which makes it just like spending too much time mm-hmm. online. Yeah. It's the same yeah. obsessive issue. It's the same mm-hmm. obsessive problem. Yeah. I, I struggle with the demonization yeah. of life online because I haven't seen an arena in life that does not suck the soul out of people in the sure. same way when we become obsessed That's right. with our output. And, and I'll say that is where I resent a little bit if you have somebody that just tweets their own stuff over and over again and then you engage them and then they come back with um you know twitter isn't really good for talking about things it's like what what are you what are you doing right now but that's a weird flex are you suggesting that the words that i just offered in response to your words are somehow lesser because this happened on Twitter. Well, and the thing, the, the moment there, and I understand the difficulty of the confession, I think what is being expressed in the moment is that you're, if I say that, what I'm saying is mm. that I am not good at this. Yeah. That's what I'm actually saying. Ooh. I'm saying I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But instead of saying I'm not good at this, I say yeah. this place is not good. It's bad. This is why, I mean, I'm not just pushing the book to push the book. This is why, I, uh, and uh, I'll, I will leave a copy on your, doorstep before I uh, leave town but like this is why like my most recent effort is pushing back against the it is what it is notion yeah because it is what the book is called it is what you make of it the whole like coming up against something like Twitter Mm. um, being in a place and then deciding that what's wrong here Mm. is the platform as opposed to why don't you simply say you're not good at this yeah this is not a good place is a different thing than saying like i'm not comfortable here or i'm not good here yeah like like coming up against white supremacy yeah yeah and saying like it is what it is america has a race problem yeah and it is this way and Mm. always has been etc instead of saying I feel powerless here. Yeah. Like make make the personal confession. Yeah. And then do the work on the other side of that as, as opposed to simply saying Twitter sucks. Yeah. Now that's the weird one. Like Twitter's a dumpster fire. It's like you're that is to me that is like blaming paper for that which is written on it. On it. Yes. Or blaming <laughs> Facebook because you lost control in an exchange with a relative. It's like, yeah, I mean you might you want to say Facebook shouldn't exist that that it's that it's too much. Yes. But Facebook didn't make you do that. No. Twitter did not make you promote yourself over and over again with one aphorism <laughs> after another, Correct. and then someone questioned your aphorism, and, and you then a bunch of mind. people questioned your aphorism, and then you wrote an essay saying, "Well, the Twitter mob came after me again." It's like, no, those are human beings. No. What do you? So if we're and and also, world, did you take a moment to consider what they were saying? That's right. If that's there were right. that many of them, that's right. Maybe there's something. To well, it. that's the Jacques Ellul, who who said French sociologist, who said that a computer is not a companion; it's a vampire, and that that was kind of a it's a provocative thing to say. But he was noting that the the technology is a tool that will use you if you don't use it. Yes, with care. But he famously said that propaganda ends where dialogue 
begins. And that's one that I've often offered on Twitter because there are folks who weigh in, but they are not accustomed to being questioned by other people. Correct. And Twitter is an avenue to say, I think you're full of it right now. Yes. And um, yeah, people get cagey. I feel like it's almost as if, because what you're exce- what you have access to on Twitter mm-hmm. or Facebook, less so with Instagram to some degree, just because of the nature of the platform. But what you have access to are other people. Uh, that's what that's what you're engaging with. Yeah. You're, it, so it would be much like if you literally went out mm-hmm. every night. Yeah. To the same set of streets with the same set of bars and restaurants. Yeah. And had the same conversations over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yes, you would you would be questioned. If yes, you yes. brought you if you brought your ideology and your oh, agenda yeah, to the Yeah, you table, repeated the same thing over and over again. You would it's like you you're would boring, be dude. You that's, said this yesterday. Yes, this that's not the, that's not the platform. That's you oh, that's funny. in a space. That's a helpful image. It is a neighborhood. It is a neighborhood. Twitter is in Twitter uh to, well, Twitter's many neighborhoods, but my mm-hmm. like my followers, the people that are following me, like the little universe, this, this, it is a neighborhood. Yeah. It's just that I choose to show up more regularly in this neighborhood mm-hmm. than I do the proximate neighborhood sure. <laughs> around. Well, my I, I think a house. weird one for me, too, I've been in the classroom for most of my adult life when somebody says something surprising or when somebody disagrees with me. That's the sunshine. That's like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a good class. I tell my students the class where 50% of the spoken aloud content is them, yes. 50% or more is them instead of me, that's a good class. Yes. But if I'm talking more than everyone else combined talks, kind of a fail. They may yes. be nice to me, but it's kind <laughs> of a fail. I think I bring that sensibility to Twitter and somebody asks me a question and I retweet them and they think, why'd you do that? <laughs> it's like, because you wanted to be amplified, right? That's why you're here. Like I assumed that if you typed words in response to me that you wanted more people to hear it than not. Yes. Um, it's, but why you, had, it's why you accepted all those people who said they wanted to follow you to begin with. That's right. That's right. But it's, um, yeah, I've, I have the Donahue model. Donahue came before Oprah in terms of the talk show format. Yes. And he was most alive um, when he was sharing the mic. Walking Julian around. Baker. Julian Baker famously said the most punk rock thing you can do is share the microphone with someone else. Yes. So I think between Julian Baker and, and Donahue, Donahue. <laughs> that's kind of the uh they're my mentors they're wonderful one is much younger than me what is much older yes. but i'll take those two as mentors i'm seeing julian baker in um november oh like, fantastic the first set of tickets i purchased as soon as people oh, started selling great. tickets again i'm gonna that's go see julian baker um last couple things again i want, I want to go back to that that practice and, and wrap a couple of things up yes with, with um, some reflections on some words, a little bit more lexicon work. You use the phrase antichrist a lot. Yes. Uh, and I think as, if I'm if I'm getting this right, I'm watching that not necessarily evolve, but maybe expand in mm-hmm. in your application. Yeah. What is what is antichrist? What does it mean for something to be antichrist? Yes. Okay. Well, I want to go right to spirit of antichrist because I don't think a person is ever antichrist. Excellent. Um, but I think the spirit of Antichrist is 
a deeply mistaken <clears throat> sense of a presence of God. I like to say somewhat provocatively that marketed Christianity yes. is Antichrist. So that doesn't mean that everything that has been marketed as Christian is harmful, but the idea that we credit something as being of God because it was marketed as of God or a Christian. Now we're getting into a pushiness, a kind of propaganda monologue yes. that does not accept um, questions, queries, or differences. Hmm. So I, I, and I am drawing from Karl Barth um, in the Barman Declaration of the World War II era and um, the Dutch Reformed Church of South Africa um, in apartheid South Africa. I believe that both movements, in, in the case of Nazis, um, where Bart and Bonhoeffer were trying to say that you can't make the Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler, kind of a co-leader with Jesus, that you are entering in, that it is Antichrist. Nationalism is Antichrist. Uh, hooray for the nation, love of country, awesome. But to make of a nation a kind of transcendent, binding um, spiritual force is to traffic in Antichrist. And in the South African context, to think that you have a Christian church when you are forbidding interracial marriage in that church, yes. Antichrist. It's no longer a church once a doctrine um, of segregation is mistaken for Christian. And in our context, I have loved saying, and this is a mouthful, hashtag white supremacist antichrist poltergeist. It's a mouthful, but it names a spirit that I believe my governor, both my senators, and many of our churches here in Tennessee have succumbed to. Yes. It doesn't mean that any of them are antichrist, but in their policies, in their hostility, and most specifically within the last maybe 48 hours, two days, my state legislature has banned critical race theory in public schools. I saw that. So I think that decision was an antichrist decision mm -hmm. because I think they are mistaking um, their own fear of the witness of people of color um, for righteousness. I think they think that they are protecting God and or America yes. or their children from being called racist. But if perfect love casts out fear, fear no thought, yeah, <laughs> fear please. no fury, fear no sidewalk chalk, fear no human expression. Yes. Um, so I do think that Antichrist is the word that the Christian tradition has given us to name these forms of delusion and oppression. What then is Christ? Christ is, um, well, Jesus of Nazareth. When I say that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, it's a little bit like saying that Siddhartha is the Buddha. The Buddha is the enlightened one. Yes. Um, I freak my students out when I say that Jesus was a Buddha. <laughs> Because they don't want to believe that. So if, if Jesus was enlightened, Jesus was at least a Buddha. It's a title. So the Christ in um, Hebrew Bible as well as New Testament is the appointed one, the anointed one. 
And when I think, for instance, of the universal Christ, or the Christ in me um, speaks to the Christ in you, I am doing something a little, hmm, got to take it really slow. It's good. <laughs> but I'm doing something. Okay, let me think about this. I, I'm, I'm going to stay here, but I'm going to segue a little into a thing that I like to say on Twitter. Please. Um, if they're building a library in Arusha, Tanzania, I might say something like, um, there are so many ways to love God. Yes. And by that, I don't mean that everyone um, involved in the building of that library believes in God or is Christian. I'm saying, because I believe it, that you can love God without believing in God. Yes. Um, because I think we love God by loving people. And I almost want to say that every form of real human thoughtfulness, consideration, neighborliness is is gospel. Hmm. Um, so with the Christ, there, there's Jesus of Nazareth, who I think of as the Christ, who I do think of as the one in whom the fullness of God dwelt. Um, but once I go over to Christ, I'm, I'm opening myself to something a little more universal than um, the experience of Jesus of Nazareth and those, Jesus's community and the early church. I, I would say that I see yes. Christ, as Gerard Manley Hopkins said, Christ plays in 10,000 places. I, I want to be careful with that because if I'm talking to my Jewish friends and I talk about seeing Christ in them, that can be a, a form of abuse. Um, because my Jewish friends, most of them, don't think that Jesus the rabbi would much like being referred to as the Christ. That it's the last thing that Jesus wanted. But with with Christ, as I understand Christ, I'm I am dealing with, or I hope that I'm dealing with, um, the divine nature at work in everyone who has ever lived. Beautiful, David. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I hope I didn't ramble. It was too fantastic. Much. Okay. Okay. It's perfect. It's great. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of the At Sea podcast. If you'd like to follow along with David, honestly, the best way to do that would be at Twitter. He's written several incredible books. I'm a fan of all of them, including The Possibility of America, which might be the best book title I'm familiar with. But his heart, his soul, his presence uh, is readily accessible at Twitter. He uses that platform unlike I've really ever seen anyone do so. I marvel at it. And if you want to get to know him, what he thinks, what he's up to, and what he thinks is important, and how he talks about it. I'd follow David Dark on Twitter. Lastly, if you'd like to be part of the team of people who helps make this podcast happen, jump to patreon.com and just search my name, Justin McRoberts. We would love to have you on the team. Until next time.